Welcome to the House of Worship podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's message. For more information, visit our website at www.myhouseofworship.org. pastors trusting us to come and bring forth the word. I know uh, you guys miss Pastor Fee and so do I, but I thank God that he trusted God in us to bring forth the message of faith. And um, our pastor Sybil has been doing such an amazing job bringing this message of faith. Pastor Francis has been doing a great job bringing this message of faith. And uh, Pastor Sybil has been talking about this failed faith and this broken faith. And as Uh, God was giving me this message, we don't just get to a broken faith overnight. There's a journey to get to any kind of faith that you have. There's a journey to get there, and this will be a two-part series. Today is the first part, and then the next part will be on Wednesday. So I just thank God for the message he sent today. So Lord, right now, as I bring forth this message, I say decrease me. Holy Spirit, have your way in this message, that your word and your revelation will be heard, that God, as these people go forth, they may go forth, God, with a great understanding of how they got to the place of where they are in their faith and where you want to take them. Lord, mold me as I stand here so that as the words leave my mouth, Lord, it is not me, but it is you. Holy Spirit, you reign in this place in each in every household watching, wherever they are, right now set an atmosphere so that our hearts and our spirits may receive your word in the way that we need it. Let it fall afresh on us like the dew in the morning. God, we thank you for what you've already done today. We thank you for your great, great faithfulness as we come to you this morning. And in Jesus' name, we all say amen, amen, amen. So if I were to title this message, this message is Journey to a Broken Faith. And we were listening to how we have to have faith for the contrary and this broken faith. But we want to talk about how do we get here in the first place. So I'm going to go through a few scriptures um, about the life of Lot. I know we talk about Lot's wife a lot. But let's talk about and see uh, some of the things going on with Lot. So I'm going to start in Genesis We're going to start with chapter 11, verse 31. Then we're going to jump to chapter 13, verses 5 through 11. And then our last one in this this part will be Genesis 14, 10 through 12. Again, I'm starting at Genesis 11, verse 31. Chapter 13, verses 5 through 11. And chapter 14, verses 10 through 12. And Terah took Abram and his son, Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth together to go to Ur and Chaldees into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Going to verse 13, chapter 13. But Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to nourish and support them so they could dwell together, for their possessions were too great for them to live together. And there was a strife between the herdsmen's and Abram's cattle and the herdsmen's of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling then in the land, making fodder more difficult to obtain. 
So Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife, I beg of you, between you and me or between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself, I beg you, for me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you choose the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot looked and saw that everywhere the Jordan Valley was well watered. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, it was all like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as far as Zor. Then Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and he traveled east, so they separated. Now going to chapter 14. Now the valley of Siddim was full of asphalt pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Some fell there, and the remainder fled to the mountains. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. So when we think about the journey to a broken faith, one of the things that first comes to hit us is life. We look at Lot and we see, okay, they go from a different land and they're together and they're going here and now they had to move. Now after they had to move, he had all these goods, but now his uncle is coming to tell him, listen, we can't dwell here together. You have to leave and I'll even let you choose, but we have to separate so there'll be no strife. So he picks a land and then the very land that he picks now, he's being taken from it. He's being held captive and it's just like one thing after another and it just reminds me of 2020. We've had so many things going on in this year of 2020. We've had the coronavirus coming, making us all quarantine, kind of altering the relationships in different households because of it. Then we have the injustice going on that each of us are feeling differently and the conversations that we're having, we're feeling uncomfortable. Some of us have uh, dealt with loss in this year. It's just a lot. Then they're talking about different winds and killer hornets. When will it end in 2020? And sometimes when life hits us, even when we do our own choosing, Lot chose. And not only did Lot choose where he was going, but after he chose, not only was he taken, but then Abram was blessed. So you telling me, you came, tell me I have to leave and I left, I get taken, but you're blessed. And it just seems like life hits us from every side. And sometimes that is the beginning of our journey to a broken faith. It's when life comes, but it doesn't only come, it goes one thing after another, after another, in a short time. It seems like it's the theme of 2020. But after life hits us, the next thing that comes is these misconceptions. My people perish from a lack of knowledge. The definition of misconception is a view or opinion that is incorrect based on faulty thinking and understanding. And I know the saints are going to come after me with this, but one of the very misconceptions that we have is God won't put more on me than I can bear. Now, I know you're saying, well, no, he won't. But if God never put more on us than we could bear, what would have been the job of the Holy Spirit? See, sometimes we take these things and we put it on ourselves and God won't put more on me than I can bear. And then we try to bear it on our own because God would never put more on me. But no, he has to because this is where we rely on the Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians 4 verses 7 through 12 said, but he 
But we have this precious treasure, the good news about salvation in unworthy earthly vessels of human fatality so that the grander and surpassing greatness of the power will be shown to be from God, his sufficiency, and not from ourselves. We are pressured in every way, hedged in, but not crushed, perplexed, unsure of finding a way, but not driven to despair, hunted down and persecuted, but not deserted to stand alone, struck down, but never destroyed, always carrying around the body of the dying of Jesus so that the resurrection life of Jesus also may be shown in our body. For we who live are constantly experiencing the threat of being handed over to death for Jesus' sake so that the resurrection life of Jesus also may be evidenced in our mortal body, which is subject to death. So physical death is actively at work in us, but spiritual life is actively at work in you. That is the thing. Sometimes we hear that, you know, we have a song and we say, well, if you go, there is no scripture saying that God won't put more on you than you can bear. But when you try to bear the weight of the world, when you try to be superwoman, when you try to be superman, when you try to be these big things, you forget to call on the Holy Spirit to help you bear it. We have all these things going on, and, and we say these things that have been taught. It's a song title. This has been taught to me. No, how about you fall on your face and you seek the Holy Spirit? How about you seek him to help you bear that? How about you take his yoke on and throw your burdens at the cross? And stop trying to hold all these things and manage it on your own. That is a misconception. No, we do not have to go through it alone like the scripture said. So it will never be too much on us. But we have to do the very first thing of seeking the comforter that was sent behind after the resurrection. Another misconception is that pain is bad. Pain is bad. It's pain. But we are always trying to run from it. We don't want to feel it. We don't want to deal with it. It's uncomfortable. It's unsettling. It hurts. So we try to uh, break away from it, but it is necessary. There is a, a, a disorder called congenital insensitivity to pain, also known as CIP. And what that is is the inability to feel pain. So people would think, oh, great, I never have to feel physical pain. But it's the physical pain that saves our lives. It's the physical pain that lets us know that something is wrong. It's the physical pain that lets us know that something needs to happen. And in the physical, there was a child, and the parents were having to do watch this child so much. The child even bit their tongue so bad that they had to have surgery, all because they could not feel pain. And that is in the physical, but we do the same thing in the spiritual. We try to run from the pain. We try to run from the things that we're dealing with. When we're dealing with the injustice in America, we try to run from that pain because we don't want to have to feel it because we have been feeling it for way too long. I don't want to have to feel this again. We want to go through the pain of having faith, but don't want to go through anything to build it. I was uh, in the beginning of this year when everything was going on, my heart was so heavy. And it wasn't heavy for me, but it was heavy for my youth. It was one of those moments where I said, God, like, enough is enough. My, my, my children, my youth have had to miss graduation. Some of, this have dealt, some of them have dealt with the loss of a friend. 
Now they have different, they have to stay in the house all the time. Their life is different. And I said, God, you know, when I have to go and I have to talk to them and I have to hear their tears, my heart is so heavy. God, why? It is enough is enough. And he said, if this is the future, if they are to bring me back into the United States of America, if the youth is to bring me back into the schools, if the youth is to bring me back into the, uh, the White House, if the youth is to bring me back in the criminal justice system, I have to build that faith. This is nothing to, to wear them down. I'm building them up because they are the tomorrow. They are the ones that don't suffer in silence. They are the ones that have that loud voice. And if they are the generation, the Joshua generation, to bring me back, they need to know that I am God regardless and the pain is necessary. The pain is necessary. So instead of running from it and denying it and try to run from it, understand that pain is pain. The pain of the cross was done by love. When they pierced him in his hands, when they cut his side, when they hung him on the cross, that was pain. It was going to be so much pain that he was sweating blood when he went to his father. But he did it anyway because he understood that that pain was necessary. The pain of this year is necessary. And we understand that God is building us a faith not only for today, but for tomorrow. He is building the faith to say, regardless if one thing comes after another, after another, after another, I am still God. Yes, you've had a loss. I'm still God. Yes, things are different. I'm still God. Yes, it seems like that I am not near. I am still God. Which brings me to another misconception. And it's one that I had to be reminded of very recently. It's that we say that the closeness of heaven is in distance and not in dimension. Pastor Fee's laughing because he had to remind me. I said a little while ago, I said, I need the altar, I need a purge, it's just, it's a lot. And he said, well, it's not distance. See, even we are taught as children that heaven is past space and it's this far away thing. And in distance, yes, but in dimension, it's right here at home. It's right in your car. It's right in your bedroom. It's right in this ministry. It is right where you are. That's where heaven is. Whatever you need, and it said, I hide the word in my heart. So if I'm hiding the word in my heart, and Jesus is the living word, that means we're pretty close. That means whatever I need right now, regardless of what it is, I just have to call on the name of Jesus and believe that I can call heaven by my side. And even in my bedroom, when I lay prostrate down, that he's right there with me answering the call. See, one sometimes we get so because it's these misconceptions that I need this altar. That I have to come to church to have this altar. When the altar is right there in your secret place, the altar is right there in your closet. If you just believe that God loves you enough that when you call and call heaven down, the dimensions will open and you're right there. So even in this time of 2020, when we feel like Jesus is just so far away, we just seem like heaven is just too far. He's right there in your bedroom. He was right there in Patmos with John, the disciple. He showed him all these revelations, and he was on an island. 
You have the ability. Let me virtual church. You have the ability to have heaven right where you are in your living room. You have the ability to grasp hold and be just as close and get the revelations, not only for your household, but for what we need right now. We need a thus say of God, but you won't get it if you don't think that you can bring heaven right in your home. It is a misconception that we have to get rid of. And then when we give in to the misconceptions, we start living a life on our own terms. But this is so dangerous because we live it on our own terms. We call it God's terms. We'll give it scripture and everything. But it was never an instruction from God. Genesis 19, chapter 4, starting at chapter 4, going to 11. It says, before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded Lot's house. They called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, No, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you, and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Get out of our way, they replied. These, this fellow came here as a foreigner, and now he wants to play the judge, will treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door, but the men inside reached out, pulled Lot back into the house, and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old with blindness, so they could not find the door. Now, when you read this, it seems like Lot did a great thing. Don't touch them, have my daughters. But see, they already had the power to get rid of the men. God already has the power to do what we need him to do, but then we try to do our own thing. Don't take them, but take my daughters. God, you, you, you promised me wealth, but I don't see it. So I'm going to go get a second job or just beg for overtime, and I'm going to stop tithing. Or I'm, I'm, I'm going to give an offering, but I'm not going to tithe. When God was always trying to set you up to work on the wealth that he was sending you, but because you didn't see it in the moment, you did your own thing. Because you didn't, and then you thought it was a good thing. Well, I'm going to go get a second job. I'm going to do what I need to do. And then I'll give from that, and that, you know, will make up for my tithes. Or I'll even tithe. I'll tithe off my real job, and I'll tithe off of my part-time job. So it has to be a good thing because I'm tithing over this second job, but God never told you to get the second job. He told you to work on that dream that he gave you. But you give it scripture and act like it's a God thing when it was never a God thing. It was a your thing, but you added godly aspects to it. So now you're working on your own timeline and your own thing, and you're wondering why God isn't moving. Oh, this thing doesn't work. You stay in a relationship. God promised me a husband. God promised me a wife. God promised me children. God promised me this. But I'm in my 30s, I'm in my 40s, I'm in my 50s. And even though I know something is wrong with this relationship, I'm going to stay because God promised this to me. I'm supposed to be prosperous. I'm supposed to multiply. 
as if God isn't great enough to have make you have a baby in your 40s and your 50s, as if having a baby in your 40s and 50s is greater than what God can ever do. But you do it on your own, and you give it scripture, and you say it's on God's terms. Because you add scripture to it. But you didn't listen to what God was saying. You didn't listen to what thus saith God. He went out there and said, hey, this looks good. Take my daughter. But they already had the power to do what they needed to do. They were sent by God. And sometimes we even have that in the church. Our pastors will tell us something. But you don't know. I know more. I know God. I've been in church more. I'm older. I know more. I got to leave now because you're you telling me something. And God puts you on that heart to move, but you won't do it because you, you read the scripture on your own terms. See, we read, but we don't meditate and we don't study. and We don't seek God in it. When I read this, I, I learned this in a new way. Why? Because I allowed the Holy Spirit to minister it to me and didn't just take it from another sermon. But I let the Holy Spirit say, thus saith the Lord. Or we live on our own terms even when we are in situations like we are in 2020 and we pray and we don't see a difference. So we start praying a little bit more quietly. We don't pray out loud. We won't lay hands because the last time I prayed, that person still died. The last time I laid hands, it, they did not walk. I know I prayed for that family member and COVID still 19 still came into that household. I know I prayed for this family member, this friend, and COVID 19 still took their life. I know I've been praying for the criminal justice system for years after years, but yet we're still losing people to it. So I'm just going to pray a little quietly. I'm just going to, it's still prayer. I'm still praying. I'm still doing what I'm technically supposed to do, but there's no boldness behind it. See, like Lot, we start to scramble and we start to, you know, start getting all in our emotions and our feelings, forgetting this. Lot was literally Abraham's nephew. The Abraham. So he, we know he knows God because Abraham in this whole time when he was talking to the three men was begging God to spare Sodom and Gomorrah. And they said, hey, he went from 50 to 40 to 30 to 20 to 10. If there are this many righteous men, will you spare it? So the fact that he spared Lot, Lot was righteous. But Lot is still in all of his righteousness, still in panic and living on his own terms because he's on this journey to a broken faith. And then after we live on our own terms, we get this entitlement. Genesis 19, verses 15. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped him. Before I finish that, when he hesitated. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. He hesitated. I am literally telling you that this place is about to be swept away, is about to be destroyed, and I am saving you and your family, and you hesitate? See, Grace is a great thing, but grace spoils us. 
Now, I don't know if any of you have been spoiled. I have. I'm not going to even talk about people in this congregation who spoiled me. <laughs> but I remember a time when my father spoiled me. And I went down to the basement. I said, hey, Daddy, can you put these Visine drops in my eye? And I remember I was like 12 or 13. And I remember, because I really don't even think I needed it. I think I just needed some attention. And he told me no. And he told me it was a little attitude. So now you telling me no? Uh-uh. So I go upstairs, and I go to the refrigerator, and I take one of his Snickers. And then I run into the attic, and I'm eating it now because I'm, I'm being rebellious. You told me no, Daddy. You don't tell Vashti no. So me, I don't even want the Snickers, but I'm so mad because he told me no. I didn't even eat the whole thing. And, of course, later on I'm all convicted. My brothers get in trouble. I don't because Vashti doesn't do things like this. And then all of a sudden, of course, I come in bawling, crying, saying it was me because Daddy didn't put Vizine in my eye. And that's exactly what we do to God. He doesn't, give, he doesn't give us what we want in the time that we want it. So we go and we rebel because we are entitled for you to do something for me. God, you are supposed to. You are my father. You are God. I pray. I fast. I tithe. I come to church. I got pastor in front of my name. What you mean? No or not right now. And we get this entitlement. So even after his grace and his mercy are saving us, just like him, we hesitate to do something. We hesitate or we rebel as if he owes us anything after the cross, as if he owes us anything after every morning when we wake up and every breath we breathe is not because of him. We have this entitlement. And not only that, it reminds me of the, the ten lepers in Luke 17 when he told, when they said, hey, have mercy on us. And he said, when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. That still amazes me because you're telling me all I need to do to get cleansed is walk. But how about one of them would have turned around and said, oh, before I leave, let me touch the hem of your garment. It worked on the lady with the issue of blood. It worked on her. So instead of me doing what you told me to do, why do I need to walk all the way down there? I can just touch the hem of your garment because it worked for somebody else. And then when it doesn't work, our feelings are hurt. See, when we have entitlement, we say, oh, we heard somebody else's testimony, and we think we can do the same thing. But how dare we think that what somebody else did in faith, we do in fear, and we accept the same results? We expect the same blessings? See, when you told me you tied the $1,000 and you got your hundredfold, when I tied the 1000 I don't get anything and I'm broke? Oh, God, the tithing doesn't work. Oh, you know what? You were fasting, and this happened to you after your fast. I'm going to go on the fast, and then it doesn't work for me. Fasting doesn't work. You wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning and pray every day? Oh, let me start with that. It doesn't work. When we take somebody else's obedience, and we turn it into our disobedience, and we expect God to move, We expect the same results, and then when we don't get it, it doesn't work. We are entitled. And the crazy thing is, we are entitled to God, but then we submit and fear the devil. We say, oh, it's the enemy that do it. It's the enemy that did it. Oh, the enemy is coming after my stuff. And you give all this power to the enemy 
and you submit to the enemy and the fears and the doubts that the enemy give you, but you have a nerve to have an entitlement to Christ. You have the audacity to hesitate when he's trying to save you. When all you had to do is get out of your own feelings and seek him. See, everything comes back to the word. Everything comes back to the word. And you can always tell when you're on that journey is when you're living in your stuff and you can't remember the time when you actually sat down and the Holy Spirit told you to do it. When you can't recall that time you spent with the Holy Spirit to get those instructions. Think of the things that you're doing nowadays. Think of the things that you're doing to get accomplished or what you're supposed to accomplish. When did that conversation happen with the Holy Spirit? Can you recall, did you take notes? Was it a dream? Did you seek his face? Is it working? Are you feeling like it should work because of the things that you do? I know I felt like that before. I know I, I did what I was supposed to do. No, I didn't hear from the Holy Spirit, but these are the things that we church folk do. We pray. We fast. We tithe. I'm doing all of this, the things I'm supposed to do. But never once did I seek the Holy Spirit and have faith enough for him to tell me exactly what to do, how to do it, when to do it, in what order. But I'm entitled. After that entitlement, this very next scary thing happens. Broken intimacy with the Holy Spirit. The definition of intimacy is a familiarity. Something of a personal or private nature. 1 Peter 5.10 says, But may the God of all grace, who called us by his eternal glory, uh, by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. We can never get to the perfecting, establishing, strengthening, or settling if our intimacy with God is broken where it says that after a while. See, that during a while is where we need that intimacy so that the establishing and the perfecting and the settling can happen. But see, sometimes that a while is just too long for me and my liking. See, when we're in this journey of broken faith, we don't want Jesus's timeline. We say we want it, but what we really want is what we want. And in that while, while I'm waiting to be established and strengthened, my intimacy is now broken. And broken intimacy equals broken faith. See, that familiarity, I'm familiar with the Holy Spirit. I'm familiar with his voice. I'm familiar about how he speaks to me because how he speaks to you might be different than how he speaks to me. He may talk to me in dreams. He, I might hear him audibly. I might get to have discernment. It's all different of how he speaks to us. But if you don't have the intimacy, you won't know how he speaks to you. You won't know his voice. And you'll follow your own voice because that's the one that's most familiar to you. Or you'll follow the voice of the enemy because that's the one that's most familiar to you. And if you're not being intimate with the Holy Spirit, who or what are you being intimate with? See, that's the thing. We know intimacy. 
But just like in a marriage, if you're being intimate with the wrong person, there's an issue. Spiritually, if you have an intimacy with the wrong spirit, there's an issue. And in this while, and because of the time that it takes, we start to lose that being familiar because of the a while. I suffered for too long. Jesus, this was too much. And just like in the beginning when we have these misconceptions, see, while I was suffering for a while, I forgot that I was never supposed to bear it on my own. While I was living in my own self and by my own terms, I was losing that familiar spirit, and I was gaining other familiar spirits. That's why I get into these cycles of anxiety. These cycles of stress, these cycles of bad relationships, the cycle of financial lack, because those spirits are familiar to me. And my intimacy with the Holy Spirit was broken. 1 Samuel 15.1 says, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve for Saul when I have rejected him over the king of Israel? See, Saul was chosen by God. We can be chosen all day long. It says we are a chosen people. But after being chosen and working in the thing that God said, uh, sent us to do, if we lose that intimacy, see, Saul lost that. He started doing things against what God was saying. God said, destroy everything. He said, no, I'm meant to keep this. Uh, no, I'm supposed to keep this, God. This was a blessing to me. I know you said give it, but no, this was a blessing, so that can't be right. He said give a sacrifice. No, I got to wait. God, I know you told me to do this. I know you called me to this fast, but I'm going to wait for the pastor to set a church fast. Lord, I know you said pray. I'm just going to wait to midnight, noon, 6 and 6 if I make that. I'll just wait. These are some of the things Saul did that broke his intimacy with Christ. The great thing about having a broken faith that didn't happen overnight, but the more broken it is, the more glorious it is when God fixes it. See, if you have a pot and it breaks in two, you put it back together, oh, that was good, that was a nice DIY, but let it break into 50 pieces. Let it break into 100 pieces, and you put that thing together, that's not okay. That's impressive. See, one thing that, that the one person that I'm so impressed with is Paul. I think he was one of the most broken there was. He was a Christian killer. He didn't believe anything that he had to say, and God had to humble him. That's why it's so impressive. See, when they elected, when the disciples decided to pick their own, um, you know, new disciple, and they picked Matthias. Okay, Matthias is cool. He wasn't perfect, but I'm pretty sure he did some great things. You wouldn't know it. It was okay. But it's amazing that Saul, Paul, who was once Saul, is now running for Christ because it was so broken. I'm here to encourage you. If you found yourself in any of these, 
If you found yourself with life just happening, and now you're giving into the misconceptions, or you living on your own terms, and now you're entitled, and you say, my faith is a little bit more broken than I thought it was, because I found myself in each and every one of those. Or I found myself a lot in the entitlement. I found myself a lot in those living on my own terms. I'm here to encourage you that the more broken it is, the greater the return of when God heals it. Can you imagine being in every single one of these categories? Can you imagine being like Lot when God is ready to save your whole family and you hesitate? And then you're running and your wife is left behind, but you don't look back? See, it even, we talk about Lot's wife a lot, and even in the New Testimony, I forget which scripture, but it says, remember Lot's wife. But in remembering Lot's wife, I'm thinking, well, if my spouse was left behind, I know I'm not supposed to look behind, but I, that's my wife back there. But to be able to go from hesitating in a moment to not even looking back and getting that closure. See, when we're living in a broken faith, we start wanting what we don't want. Do you want closure or do you want healing? It doesn't equate each other. Do you want to be faithful and have all that God said that you can have, or do you want to live on your own terms? Do you want to make the sacrifices that is intended to make, or do you want to just live comfortably? Mediocre is good enough for you. See, when we're in this journey to a broken faith, we, we want what we don't want. Lot wanted to have it his, himself saved. He wanted his family to be saved. That's why he ran to his son-in-laws at one point in time and said, hey, let's go. He wanted to, but there was still something in Sodom and Gomorrah that attracted him to where he was not ready to leave. Knowing destruction was coming, he was not ready to leave. See, when we're in this journey to a broken faith, sometimes those other familiar spirits are too enticing. We don't want to let it go. It means too much. That relationship, it meant too much. We had so many great dinners. We had so many good times. That job, it meant too much. There was, I've never made that much money in my life. I was the boss. It means too much, even though God is telling me that something else is over here for me. Those finances mean too much. God, you're telling me to give that much? You're telling me to tithe that much? See, even when we're in this time now, how important tithing is, how important it is to give by faith. If God is calling it, you hold on to something that can be here one moment and gone the next, but the eternal God that has never changed, that is the author of your faith. So even right now, I call to you, those who have been living in fear and your tithes and your offerings, it is time for you to get out of that broken faith. It's time for you to give by faith. And as you prepare now, I, I implore you to give right now your tithes and your offering. But don't give out of a broken faith. You can give by going to myhouseofworship.org forward slash giving. Or you can even do paypal.me forward slash myhouseofworship. So take God at his word. He is the author of your faith. But even though he's the author of your faith, sometimes we like to change the word. Now, I'm not going to lie. 
If y'all ask Bianca and my little sister Bria, they will tell you I will change lyrics in a heartbeat. I will sing a song, and I'm like, okay, this is a song. And they'll be like, well, that's not the words, but that's the words that I like. So I'm going to keep singing it wrong, and I'll sing it wrong all day long because that's what I like. God is the author and the finisher of our faith, but see, we like to switch some of the words around. We like to put in our own words. When he say later, we like to put in now. Or when he says you shall, we like to put in you can or you might. We switch the lyrics and we wonder why faith doesn't work. It's like having a broken leg and you're on the little little pedestal. And he said, the doctor's saying, okay, it's time for you to go on crutches. But you're like, but it hurts. But he said, it's time for you to go on crutches. And it'll be time for you to put pressure on it. It'll be time for the cast to come off. It's that journey. But if you are still too scared to do the things that you are doing to even get that broken leg, there's an issue. And you'll never be able to walk. That's why the Israelites, that that day turned into years. Those days turned into years to freedom. Why? Because they had more faith in the things that they wanted to. They was their own off of their own faith instead of allowing God to be the great God that he is. I'm going to close on this. And I want us to pray. Let God be the author. Is it scary to relinquish your power? Absolutely. Is it scary to let those familiar spirits go that you have become so comfortable with? Is it scary to become uncomfortable? Absolutely. May it, will it be painful? Sometimes, yes. But think about the pain. God knew he was coming and he still did it all because of his love for you. He's worthy of our faith. He is worthy of our faith. Because he never leaves nor forsakes us. But sometimes we just want him to do what we want him to do. So today we're going to pray. And I want, us, I want you to prophetically put your right hand on your head if you know that some of these things you saw yourself in. And not only that, but if there's a part of your body that has been aching, or you know that there's something that you needed God to fix, if it's your business plan, put your hand on it. If it's your book, put your hand on it. If it's your children, put your hand on them. Whatever you, are, you, you need to empower your faith in, put your hand on that thing. And we're going to pray. And first we're going to repent for our coming outside of the, the faith of God, the word of God, and our broken faith. And then we're going to pray for those things. But we're not just going to pray. We're going to get a mind of surrender. We want to surrender to Christ, surrender our will, surrender our ways, surrender our time. Start getting that spirit of surrender. Stop holding on to those things. Stop holding on to Sodom and Gomorrah. Get your spirit ready for surrender as we begin to pray and mean it.
Don't just do it because I'm telling you to do it. But understand, again, you hide the word in your heart. You have the ability to have that door to the dimension to bring heaven in your household. So right now, as we prayed over the communion and know that we blessed it, right now, as your hand is being placed on something, know that as we pray, God is going to move. Know that there is power in your hand, not because of you. Not because of you, but because of the God inside of you. So Jesus, right now, we come to you. And we come to you by faith. We come to you understanding, Lord, that we, in this time in 2020, you are establishing our faith, but we may have fallen short. We may have had a little bit of a broken faith. We may have been entitled. We may have tried to live on our own terms. We may have tried to do things outside of your will without coming to you and attach scripture to it. God, right now, we repent in the name of Jesus. We repent for doing the things that we wanted to do instead of the things that you have called us to do. We repent for those business plans that have been growing stale. We repent for those books that have not been written. We repent for the, the businesses and the talks that were supposed to go on YouTube and Facebook, but we allow fear or busyness to get in the way. We repent for our broken faith. Lord, we repent for breaking and altering the intimacy with you and starting to have intimacy with other familiar spirits. We repent for trifling with fear and doubt. We repent for giving the, the enemy more credit than he was due. We repent for being on our own terms. We repent for even repeating some of these different misconceptions. And right now with the spirit of surrender, we come to you. And we tell you to have your way in us. Strengthen our faith right now in the name of Jesus so that as we leave this place or as we turn off Facebook and YouTube, God, that we know that we are going forth understanding that the broken pieces you are putting back together. And it's a glorious singing today that the revelations will start hearing again, that the intimacy will start getting stronger, that we'll start giving and tithing our time to you. That we'll start giving you what is due you. God, right now we say, have your way with our faith. Let it be the faith that is activated. Let it be the faith, Lord, that shows the generations to come that even in a time such as 2020, Lord, we stood our ground strong. We relied on your word and thus saith the Lord, and we didn't rely on the things that we wanted to do. Lord, we come to you withholding nothing. Lord, this isn't just mouth service, but we really say today we withhold nothing from you. We no longer withhold our faith from you. We no longer withhold our time. We no longer withhold our burdens. We no longer withhold our worship and our praise. We no longer withhold our prayer. We withhold nothing. Birth in us in this season what you will. Lord, we commit 
to having a faith that will be pleasing to you so that you can trust us with what you have been birthing inside of us this whole time. What you have been birthing inside of us in 2020 when everything is going on, Lord, right now we say that you can trust us as we trust you. Lord, we trust you. We trust you. We trust your word. We trust your instructions. We trust you. So, Lord, whatever we are laying our hands on right now, bless it. Bless our faith. Bless our children. Bless our marriages. Bless our relationships. Bless our finances. Bless our tongue. Bless our ears. That we may get so intimate with you, Lord. We hear you all day. And that we may bring a word of healing. That the land will hear our voice and will submit to us because we're not just coming with mouth service, but we're coming by faith. Not faith in our own ability, but faith in what you do. Faith in your word. Faith in your power. Faith in your ability. Lord, faith in your willingness. But moreover, faith in your love. That love that caused you to go to the cross for us. When the enemy thought he won. When the enemy thinks he's winning in 2020. That kind of faith that made you rise on the third day. Lord, let us live in a third day resurrection for the rest of 2020. In spite of. All because we trust you. And we love you. And we honor you. And we bless you. And we worship you. Jesus, we worship you. You're mighty, you're awesome, you're amazing in all of your ways. Even when some of your ways cause us pain because we have to change. God, we trust you. We say, God, that we obey your word and your voice. Strengthen our discernment in this time. God, we thank you for this time of prayer, that you hear us and you answer. Lord, let us go to bed tonight knowing that we've heard a word from you. Speak to us in our secret places. Don't let us go. Jesus, we thank you. In Jesus' name we say amen, amen, amen. God is so worthy. He's Thank you for listening to the House of Worship podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and were blessed by it. For more information, visit us at our website at www.myhouseofworship.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.